0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dom Vogel, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Dapper himself, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Fantastic, as always. How about yourself, Dom? I'm doing awesome because we finally get to bring on my good friend. I don't know why it took 160 plus episodes for this. <laughs> But Mr. Michael Argas is joining us all the way from Vancouver Island. Mike, how are you doing, my friend?
1: I am fantastic as well. I'm I'm really excited to have this opportunity after 160 episodes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we you know what? We thought, you know what, let's wait till we're good, then let's bring Mike on. <laughs> so it took us 160 to get good, but we're really, really excited to have you here, Mike. And I mean, you and I have known each other for, for years and... Um, yeah. I know your background, but, you know, just for our, our listeners and viewers who are wondering who, who the heck this awesome Mike Argast is, could you tell us a little bit about your career narrative? So what's, yeah, what's your story? Sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, so I've been in cybersecurity for over 20 years, you know, back when there was no cyber in cybersecurity. And, um, you know, started off really in technical roles. So early career was like sysadmin, network engineer, Um, And then eventually got into cybersecurity uh, when I joined Sophos, Uh, actually it was ActiveState that was acquired by Sophos. Eventually ended up running the global sales engineering team at Sophos. So 120 staff in 17 countries around the world, working with a lot of global top 50 companies, you know, did a lot of jet setting, visited over 40 different countries around the world working with clients. Um, And then, you know, had some small children, decided I want to stay closer to home, spent five years running various security teams at TELUS here in Canada. Um and and then semi-retired and uh you know stepped back for a while and then um you know that led into cobalt where um about four years ago founded cobalt. I had actually spent two months on a beach semi-retired with my family in Thailand, just totally relaxed, itching to come back and do something, not really thinking about a startup. Went and talked to a colleague of mine, uh Steve Munford, who's the CEO at TrueLeo. he's like, get a job. I'm like, I don't want a job. And then a couple of weeks later, he introduces me to my co-founders and they're like, we want to start a cybersecurity services firm. Um, and we heard you might be a good leader for us to, to build that up. And, you know, we're going to invest a bunch of money and we'll give you a lot of support. And these two guys are like, one's a serial entrepreneur with a tremendous amount of success, Pankaj Agarwal. Another one is a, what a kind of a gold plated VC rockstar here in Vancouver, you know, invested in Coinbase and Daffer Labs and all these sorts of companies, Boris uh, Wirtz, And I'm like, this sounds like an opportunity too good to miss. Um, but if I'm going to get back into cybersecurity, why am I going to get back into cybersecurity? Like, you know, I've, I've been there, I've done this. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are working really hard on this problem. What's the unsolved problem in the market? And for me, Really, for the last 10 or 15 years, the unsolved problem in the market is small and mid-sized organizations. Like, you know, it's not a technology problem, it's not a better EDR or XDR tool, it's not a new SIM technology. It's like, how do you solve security effectively and cost effectively and in a repeatable way for small and mid-sized businesses? And that to me has, you know, historically been a really underserved portion of the market. And so that's where we've decided to focus.
0: Well, fa- fantastic, Mike, and um, it certainly sounds like you're not regretting leaving the beaches of Thailand. Then,
1: <laughs> well, you know, I'm still looking for a good opportunity to get back there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, uh, and I appreciate that that intro and you know um, you're just diving a bit more into the origin of Cobalt there. I mean, you, you mentioned your your, your co founding team there and you know the, the desire to focus on the small and mid sized uh, market. Um, when we're talking about um, sort of that chronic under service, uh, well, at least when it comes to uh, comes to cybersecurity for SMBs, um, I guess a why what why were they chronically underserved, and you know what's the direction that we're moving in right now with with SMBs?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think there's a couple reasons behind that. One of them is you know most security professionals go through enterprise. <clears throat> That's where a lot of the energy and resources. Uh, you know, if you're a you know a 50-person company you probably have an it person if you're lucky let alone no security people right so it, it gets you have to be an enterprise before people start specializing in having security backgrounds um and then you know if everybody who works in security has an enterprise background then people put the enterprise hat and mindset on and that's the kind of way they operate right and so you know then people work inside these large organizations think, go i want to start a security services firm well what's the easiest place for me to sell to it's like enterprise because i get one enterprise deal and it's a million dollars and i've got a bootstrap to my business right and so you know there's been this kind of you know repeating effect of oh i want to build a new technology because i had this problem that i ran into when i was working at you know fortune 50 company and so they'll go out and invent a piece of technology and they can sell it to three or four enterprise customers and then they've got a business right and so, you know that that kind of you know gravitational black hole spending and services and technology development has, has been very focused up market for for that reason. And then when you talk to SMBs, you know they got limited budget, they got limited resources, they don't have an expert to focus on this. And so, it requires a very different focus, um, service design, price points, delivery, and it just. Because there's been so much money and gravitational pull in the enterprise space, very few organizations who are trying to solve security are focused down market.
2: You know, I I do want to drill into this, how to make cybersecurity affordable for small and mid-sized businesses. But before we do that, I'd like to go at a high level of cybersecurity subject itself. How important is it, uh, Michael, that people take this threat seriously from the threat landscape perspective now for SMBs? Why is it important for business leaders to pay attention to cybersecurity at a high level?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fundamentally, it's existential. Um, And, you know, if you think about like, you know, uh, what's your risk of a fire, right? pretty dramatically low compared to a risk of a cybersecurity event right you know on average uh you know we've seen lots of stats out there that show that a smaller mid-sized organization will experience a significant security event about once every seven years right and mm-hmm. you know a lot of small businesses without the right preparation uh resources etc in play that will literally like shut down a business right and so it, it's existential from the perspective of the risk um, the other reason it's existential, so we work a lot, um, as I mentioned, with small businesses, but a lot of high tech firms. And for them, it's existential in terms of growth. And so mm-hmm. if you're a, I don't know, a B2B, a SaaS company, a health tech firm, a fintech firm, and you're selling to a bank or a regional health authority or to an enterprise business, you know, your business fundamentally involves taking their data and proving that you can secure their data to provide your service. And so. If you aren't able to um, prove that you can do security well, you can't grow, right? So it's not just like, this could kill me, but it can also prevent the growth of my business, which ultimately is, you know, a key reason that a lot of organizations are trying to do what they do every day. is like mm-hmm. figuring out how to serve more clients, grow their revenue, you know, build their staff, build better products, all that kind of stuff.
0: So, 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Mike, you know, in terms, again, what, what you're seeing, again, obviously in the, in the SMB space, are, are you finding that cl- – prospects, potential clients, are they reaching out proactively or reactively? And, and by reactive, I mean, you know, like, is it you know, post data breach, post uh, security incident, or is it, you know, because of a um, business requirement? Now they, they need to, or to fulfill RFPs or to fulfill a contract, they need to be able to demonstrate they have an outside, uh, outsourced SOC or they're, they're leveraging, um, you know, they have a security assessment or some security certification. Um, so I, I'm just curious, like, are you seeing it being more proactive? More reactive and even split depending on sector. just curious to your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, so we're fortunate that we don't deal a lot with people reactive to a breach or an incident. Uh, I mean, we get a small number of those, um, but that's not been the focus for us in the market. Um, Reacted to business conditions. So what you just described, Dom, around, you know, hey, I have an RFP. I have a customer who's telling me I need to be SOC 2 compliant or ISO compliant. I have a security questionnaire I don't know how to respond to. That's certainly a big chunk of our business. Um, I find with um, because we deal a lot with with startups and um, serial entrepreneurs, people who start up their second, third, fourth business, um, the serial entrepreneur who's on their second, third or fourth business is much more likely to be proactive as it relates to security because they've been through the lifecycle and they understand the importance it is and it provides in growing their business. And so I'd say it's, it's still more reactive as it relates to business conditions rather than reactive as it relates to incident, which is good because it means that we can get in there and secure them before they have an incident, which is one of the most important things. Right. So
0: for, for, for sure. And, you know, on, on, that, um, on that same vein there, Mike, you know, when we're talking about those organizations, when they reach out, you know, for, you know, they have a request, are you seeing, um, I'm not sure if narrow, narrow is the right, right term, but uh, maybe requests that don't necessarily make sense. You know, you'll, uh, we, we often see organizations that have a very low maturity saying, oh, we, we need to be SOC 2 certified and say, okay, well, that's like saying you're going to, you know, you've been a couch potato for 10 years and you're saying, I need to run a marathon tomorrow. Um, h- h- how do you help organizations? What's your, how would you respond to organizations that have these, I guess, I'm not sure if outlandish is the right word, but these grandiose visions of security where they need to be but it's not something that they're going to get to within a year or two. Um, how do you open that up and say, well, we need to have more of a journey talk here?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, just being transparent with clients is really important, right? So understanding where they are, what, what how mature they are and where they have to go is really important. We, are very upfront and transparent about like what's this going to take what's the effort what's the costs um and you know i'll have a a small business customer come to me and go i need to become SOC two compliant it's like why well i have this customer who's asking me well all right so how big is that deal right and they'll go oh it's a twenty thousand dollar deal i'm like wait stop right like one customer that's willing to spend twenty thousand dollars with you is not enough to justify the investment in getting yourself to SOC two compliance, if you tell me on instead, hey, I do quarter of a million dollar deals all the time. I've got a bunch mm-hmm. of these in the pipeline. It's starting to sh- slow down my sales process. Mm-hmm. All right, then let's let's make this decision to invest and move ahead. Right, and for the ones that are like, hey, we think this is going to be a problem in the future. You know, is there a, a walk before you run? Kind of program. And we've got a startup program that's geared towards organizations that have smaller budget, aren't quite ready to pull the trigger on compliance. And then a growth program, which is like, hey, compliance is central to their ability to grow and scale, right? And so, you know, we we meet customers where they are, and we're realistic with them about what's going to be required, resources, costs, expenses, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, ultimately, you've got to serve the client. And, you know, for us, it's a long term play, right? Like, if we can get you through, you know, some basic security things in the short term, get you to compliance when you need to. You're going to grow from 20 employees to 50 employees to 100 employees. We've had a bunch of our customers do that. They then come back to us for more services, more need, all this kind of stuff, because we're helping enable the, their business growth. And so I think being realistic and upfront is important. But that being said, if we've got a you know a moderately mature organization that's got resources and focus, you know we can get through compliance in a relatively short period of time with our tooling and, and experience, right? So.
2: I like how you described that journey, Michael, talking about starting with the basics, getting them moving, getting them more mature uh, on the way to compliance at the end. So very, very well uh, put there. Um, I want to talk about privacy uh, and the relationship between privacy and cybersecurity. How do you see that? I'm curious on your thoughts there and how important it is to take specifically data privacy seriously.
1: I mean, they're inextricably intertwined. Right. And they're intertwined for two reasons. One is. You know, if you think about the CIA triad, confidentiality, integrity, availability, you know, two-thirds of that are really around data and privacy in many regards, right? And so, you know, it's, you know, thinking about what data am I collecting, how am I managing that data, all this kind of stuff is central to having an effective security posture, right? Um, On top of that, you know, unlike security, so security is filled with de facto standards, you know, SOC 2 and ISO and all this kind of stuff. Privacy is filled with de jure standards, like regulations that say, if you don't do these things, you're going to get fined. You're going to have, you know, the hammer brought down on you. And so that's why we've invested in making sure that we have privacy expertise as well as security expertise, expertise in GDPR and Law 25 and CCPA, CPRA, you know, those regulations so that we can guide our customers effectively to making sure that they're compliant with those standards as part of their overall security posture. So the two are they go hand in hand. Um, and you can't really do one effectively without considering the other.
2: Very well said, completely on the same page with you, Michael. Another one I'm curious about from you is cyber insurance. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could just leave that as the question. What, how do you feel about cyber insurance? But I think I'll be more specific. Um, you know, my thoughts is there's a lot of, you know, kind of check the box mentality. And then I also think, you know, there's, there needs to be a verification that, that risk controls are in place, um, for, from insurers, um, and there are some risks that are uninsurable as well. You can't just get cyber insurance and then you're good. It's important to do cybersecurity practices uh, properly. What What are your thoughts there?
1: This is a bit of a Gordian knot problem, and I I, I, I could spend a whole podcast episode on this alone. But um, you know, in a nutshell, there's two things to remember. So insurance is all about managing risk, and it's about understanding how to offset risk to a third party. One of the big challenges is. Um, uh, not commonly known as the cyber the insurance policy writer underwriters paid out more in premiums. Than they took in and paid out more in claims than they took it in premiums in 2021. Right. And so this has created this huge, you know, you know, some insurers are getting out of it altogether. Others are really enhancing their questionnaires and trying to find other ways to make sure that you know, they're writing good policies for the right types of customers and stuff like that. So we're seeing a constant ratchet up of cybersecurity requirements, which you know a lot of organizations have bought it thinking, I can buy insurance instead of doing the right things for security. And that's not true, right? Um, the validation is a, a really good point, and it's one of those things that's a, it's a challenge for both parties, right? So the insurers are not typically in a place to come in and validate that everything that you filled out on your questionnaire is true. Right. They use those questionnaires, though, so that when it comes time to fill out a claim, if you have said something untruthful, they can withhold the payment on that claim. Right. And this is the same. Like if you think about home insurance, like they're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Do you have locks on the door? Do you have a fire suppression system? All these sorts of different things. If you answer falsely on any of those questions, when it comes time That's to a claim, the insurance hasn't done you any good. Right That's right, and so they're not coming into your house and checking if you have locks in the door and a sprinkler system they're they're saying you need to have these things in order to be able to get our insurance policy and so they're in a it's a it's a tough space, and the the biggest problem in the space is it's a dynamic actor, the threats are changing all the time. it's really hard for them to predictably determine what the risks actually are, right like two years ago, we cared so much about ransomware well people got good backups, that risk is lower. But, you know, we're not talking about business email fraud, which is prolific and taking money out of people's bank accounts every single day. Right. You know, there's just there's a whole bunch of different risk elements in cyber insurance. So I think it's a complex space. I think we should expect to see insurers continue to ratchet up requirements. Um, I think it's important to have insurance as one of the tools in your kit bag, but it's not the only tool. Um, And then insurers, just because of their areas of expertise, they'll often ask the wrong questions. Right. Like, do you have a SIM? Well, yeah, anybody can buy us a sim license and have a sim and check that box it doesn't mean they're doing anything useful with it right like there's that sort of stuff that you see on questionnaires all the time
2: yeah certainly needs to be more nuanced than just a yes or no answer for especially questions like that
1: yeah but i mean ultimately there's a limit to what uh, you could do on a questionnaire and have it be realistic right so i
2: completely agree absolutely um
0: mike we really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your wisdom. Uh, this is Mike Argas, the co-founder and CEO of Cobalt.io. My friend, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate the opportunity and keep up the great work. I'm all a big believer in, you know, educating uh, people on the importance of cybersecurity and I appreciate everything you do. Thank,
0: thank, thank you, wonderful. Mike. We appreciate that. We'll try not to wait another 160 to, to have <laughs> you on again. <laughs> thank you again for, for joining us today. And Christian and I will be uh, right back to wrap up today's episode. That was an awesome uh, show, you know, with, with Mike, um, you know, he's, he's been a long time uh, supporter of the show, just a tremendous sort of uh, source of knowledge and wisdom.
2: Really appreciate him joining us today. Um, curious to your takeaway or takeaways yes. of today's episode. Yeah. I mean, yet another person coming on and saying cybersecurity threats are real for small and mid-sized businesses. And in particular, talking about how their mission, it seems to me, is to make cybersecurity doable and affordable for smaller organizations, not just enterprise. Yeah, a- a- absolutely.
0: I think, you know, like, like Mike was driving to, I think, you know, there's the SMB space is, is a space that really needs to elevate their game when it comes to cybersecurity. They have not traditionally done so. And, uh, it's always nice to see, um, people in organizations, uh, like Cobalt, um, leading the charge there and and making sure that we're rising the tide when it comes to cybersecurity um, in in the SMB space. So, special thank you to um, Mike Argas for joining us today on the show. And as always, an extended special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. If you did happen to miss a previous episode of the podcast, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page uh, and or check out old episodes on your preferred podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again once again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.